onto sour. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. On a Monday morning, August 1st, 2022, delayed start to the show because <laughs> we're looking through Mark Vale's CD collection that he has. A lot of fun stuff in there. I'm sure we'll hear it on Request Line Friday at some time. Well, we got another reason that we've got some <laughs> there with a, a little uh, a little bit of Irish uh, music there coming hey, up. That's coming up this month. 26 days away, Husker football. This is Jack Mitchell, vacation week. So you'll hear a little bit more of me. I'm Caleb Henry. As always, that's Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom and joining us from One Shot, One Life, as he tends to do whenever Jack evacuates the studio, <laughs> Doug Fitzgerald. Doug, how's it going? It's going great. It's really good. This yeah. is fun to come back to. It's always nice when we can get you up a little bit earlier. Well, for, that's for a few days I am a, I am a late nighter. I'm an <laughs> I'm an owl and I'm a third shifter. So I have to re, you know reformat the going to bed at nine nine thirty, getting up at four o'clock. That's, yeah, no, it's a lot. That's of fun. an adjustment. This was the uh, the first day in a, a week that I've had to get up this early. So I was <laughs> well, like, I, I don't know how well this is going to go. So um, let's actually start there. I want to I want to thank a number of people. You guys. Um, both reached out to me, talked with me um, ahead of my wedding this last Wednesday. I do have some extra jewelry on yeah. in the studio, sporting the bling. Um, so that that was a, a lot of fun getting those messages. A few of our listeners actually. So, um, Aaron, thank you for the mess or the uh, the letter that you sent in here. Got that. Wife and I love that. Um, Mark K, thank you for reaching out to my grandparents that you know through the shrine. <laughs> um, they they made sure, and I'd never heard your last name, so I was very confused who my granddad was talking about, and I was like, Mark, blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, K, that's one of our texters. I know who that is. I'm not confused anymore. <laughs> um, also, one of our listeners, and I, I'm sorry that I forget the name, but they were actually camping out there at Platte River State Park. Wow. And their kids were watching our ceremony. So she came by and apologized. <laughs> Um, but she came by and said she listens to the morning show, which was so cool. So um, the, all, all the different ways that folks reached out, social media as well, um, I appreciate it. My wife, my family appreciates it. This uh, It was a lot of fun this last week, like a little stressful building up to it. Um, but but knowing the, the support that's there for the community, and this is something that um, I talk with in the, the Jack Mitchell podcast because I was his guest this last week. We'll hear a little bit of that um, later in the show today, but... Just the community you're able to build through local radio. And that, that's yeah. one of the most fun things that I have here on, on KLIN is the community that we have here in the city of Lincoln. So thank so, you guys, everyone, for those messages. So how did the officiant work? Uh, he did great. He was so nervous. I, oh, my goodness. Did he tell you about this? Yes, he did. He was up there. He had all of his notes. Um, and it's great because there are some parts that you don't really want to just ad lib. There are some parts that you kind of want to get word for word yeah, correct. Absolutely. Um, and, and he did. He read a, uh, a Bible verse that his dad did at his wedding, hmm. which was so cool because yeah. Jack's doing video study the day before my wedding, <laughs> watching his wedding to see how his dad did it. That was kind of funny. Um, but I'm standing up there. 
And Jack is like, you can see he's shaking in his hands as he's doing it. And I can hear, I don't think anyone else could hear in his voice because like it's slightly, you just project and you try to sound good. And we've all done it on radio too, where in here, there are times that we feel very, very nervous, but you don't put that out over the air unless someone knows you very, very well, works with you every day. And I'm standing up there. I'm like, Jack, why are you nervous? (laughs) I mean, he's shaking and he wanted to get it right. He didn't know why he was nervous. Um, Obviously, he he wanted to to not mess up the sure. day. He wanted to. He took it very very seriously. But he did wonderful. It, it was fantastic, start to finish. Um, his his welcome, his his kind of sermon, his words on marriage. Those were all things that 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 we took to heart. Um, Megan and I, and it was so much fun to to have him there, have a number of other people there. Jack was very confused by our uh, our whiskey ceremony that we did. Now I saw pics, and that was that your mom that posted those pictures. Yeah, my mom posted. A and few so pictures. I saw that, and I was curious to. I actually zoomed in on that because I wanted to see what was going on. We just wanted to find a way to take shots in the middle of the ceremony. <laughs> it worked. Um, but hey, yeah, there we go. Found a way. Um, but it was it was a big part about how um, there was a lot of comparisons, and we had Jack read this off as we poured the. Um, poured the glass, and now some people do a they do a sand ceremony mm-hmm. or a, a yeah. knot tying ceremony, or one of our friends who is actually um, Megan's uh, matron of honor. When she and her husband Alex got married, they uh, poured together different parts of whiskey, and it went into a barrel that they will then open up at one of their anniversaries. Mm. Um, we were a little bit late to like we kind of figured this out last week uh, <laughs> or the, the week before. And we went with, all right, well, let's go get um, a whiskey that we really, really like, and we're just going to pour a shot. And there's a, there's comparisons on how a whiskey is like a, a marriage, how a good whiskey is like a good marriage. And so Jack talked about that a little bit. We took our shot, and then we did the, I now pronounce you, man and wife, you may kiss the bride. Megan, the whole time as we're going into the shot, she goes, because we just read our own vows. And so she gets through that and thinks it's like, okay, cool. Then she's bouncing up and down going, I forgot we're taking a shot. And she's like, <laughs> she looks so nervous. Um, but then we did that. We kissed and everyone cheered and it was, it was a lot of fun. And um, my parents, uh, Megan's parents, everyone did. Uh, we put together this little brunch over in the picnic area and it was a lot of fun. I had friends from, uh, I had friends from college hmm. came by and his family, they live in Des Moines now. So there was, uh, and we had a lot of family that was able to come in and um, the folks Folks that weren't, it's a Wednesday morning. We completely understood that, but everyone was sending messages, and it was it was it was great to feel that love last week. I thought it was great. It sounded like you needed to uh, let Jack in on the shot ceremony. I told <laughs> maybe him, at the beginning it would have been good. Okay, here's the thing on that. <laughs> I told him he could have one, but when we recorded the Jack Mitchell podcast last week, we did it on the we did it on the Monday. So so last Monday, because then I came in, I was on the Tuesday show, and then we left for Platte River State Park, so there wasn't a lot of time. Well, last Monday, I go in and I've got a beer, and I'm just like, cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna sip on this while we while we do the show while we record. And he had some Maker's Mark. <laughs> Did he talk about this on the show? No, at all? no. Oh, man. I've never seen jack mitchell intoxicated (laughs) and like you could just tell i'm sure he 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 said he was going to go back and edit out parts because like he slurred a little bit a couple of times like it wasn't bad but like you can tell he had had a couple of drinks um 
he had he deleted a couple of tweets Tuesday morning because like you could tell those were not sober <laughs> tweets. Um, but I had told him he could have some of the whiskey. He's like, I don't need to do that right now. I was like, you could bring some of that Maker's Mark. <laughs> um, so that that was uh, just all of last week was, was an experience from start to finish. I thought it was great, and that I think what I love most about watching this from a distance and just seeing we it's so it, you were so intentional about the moment, and you were so excited about the moment, and doing it unconventionally as far as on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. You know, a small intimate ceremony. I just, to me, it just it it uh, it elevated just the intensity of what you were doing, and Wednesday, I love that. Wednesdays for winners. Is <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're saying? Uh, uh, well, better than chapping your hide, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's true. Um, no, it was. Uh, it, it, it's a weird process going about it when um, our daughter's twenty one months old now, and so. We live together. There's a lot of things where we're like, okay, there's not really this next step that you typically have when someone gets gets married. They're they're engaged and then they're married and then it's okay. Now you figure out that part of right. it. A lot of what we had been doing was outside of the eyes of the law. We pretty much were already married. Right. Every, everything we were doing was within those same those same boundaries. But when you take the time to have a moment. Um, to to build up to that moment, and you're able to proclaim that in front of friends and family yep. and God um, to to put those those words. Um, Megan finished writing her vows on the bathroom floor the night before while we were asleep, <laughs> so she she has it all written out. Um, I put kind of an outline in my head, but to go through that whole process and now you speak that out in front of everybody. That's a moment where you're very vulnerable. That That's still different than anything we've been doing over yeah. the last couple of years. I had a buddy of mine who, a month ago, um, him and his significant other, they've been together for eight years. They got married, uh, small intimate. I think it was just their um, uh, parents and a couple of friends. And so I asked him over the weekend, because I knew I was coming in, is it different now, right? Is mm-hmm. it different now that you've gotten married? And he's like, oh, my goodness. He just, I didn't think it was going to be. He said, but it is. He said um, his wife, you know, there's a commitment now there. Mm-hmm. And so he says it's so different. And he says we know we're committed to each other. We're moving forward. Mm-hmm. And wh- what about for you? Is it different? I mean, you come back on – when did you come back on Thursday or did you guys stay out there? So we came back. Megan's car died. <laughs> before we left we took two vehicles out there because we just had um so much stuff and we had the two dogs and we had millie and um so her car dies so we have to first jump her vehicle get it to an auto parts store so we can get a new battery in so that made thursday just off the wall for anything we were experiencing right? we're like all right cool let's problem solve right now um start opening up the cards going all right who who gave us cash so right. we can pay for uh go ahead and pay for this battery um but no it was it was like right away it's like all right cool we got to figure some stuff out um but for me personally going out and about and wearing the ring. Mm. I feel like it's something that, because I haven't worn it, um, to, to me it's a little bit like when you get a new tattoo. Um, and I know you guys are just full of tattoos. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah but for me, it's like when I've gotten a new tattoo, it's I feel the eyes are on that. Mm. And, and people can notice it. And what are their thoughts about it? And, um, and putting this ring on and going and just going and get groceries. Um, I came in here and recorded an episode of uh, Hey Dad 
podcast yesterday, and I'm just over Zoom, but even then, I feel like there's just a different light mm -hmm. on the way people see me because I'm wearing this. Hmm. I'm not always out and about with my family, so when they see me previous to this last week, and the way people see me now, going and getting coffee, going through, I pay with my left hand. People see that. It's mm -hmm. immediately there. So I just feel like there's a different way that I'm viewed, and I think I... At least internally, I stand a little bit taller because of that. I go, yeah, there's yeah. someone in my life that I've got a commitment to. Out of all, and so I've done, I don't know, I've done, Tammy and I were talking about this, probably 20 plus mm -hmm. weddings that I've officiated. And one of the things I share, and it's what you're, I'm so, it's so exciting to hear what you just said. Out of all the men in the entire world, Megan chose you. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. And that's what you're talking about. There's a value in that. So it's, I love it. And there, there were a few better choices out there, but she did choose me. <laughs> and now the IRS, you know, they, <laughs> they, they chose you, you too. They, they've chosen you, and you can file married jointly. Exactly. So that's that's actually funny that you say that. And I, I want to get to to some of the the weekend news before we get to the end of the segment. Um, but I uh, I actually told one of my so my when my college friend he brought his family and beautiful family. They've got actually another kid on the way, and they told us the the gender before they announced it on Facebook so that was a fun um, little bit of like a wedding present to get a be inside of that um, but I told them part of the reason because you we we'd already been we had a kid and we're we're living together and it's like okay well when do you decide that yeah let's get married so that things might be a little bit different and I said when I filed taxes twice and I was the one that claimed Millie and Megan didn't and she was very sad about that yes. so yeah. uh, let's go ahead and get married so that the taxes are jointly <laughs> and we all claim our daughter <laughs> that's yep. the uh, then we don't got to deal with that um, anyway so once again yeah thanks everyone for the messages I, I continue to, to see those on social media and as we post more pictures of everything you guys are all just wonderful and I um, I appreciate everyone. I love living here in Lincoln and just the community that I've become a part of. On all of that, Mark. Uh, LPD uh, managed to capture a guy last evening, northeast Lincoln, uh, two stolen vehicles. Uh, they'd been stolen uh, over the past two weeks. One was out of a church parking lot uh, in uh, southeast Lincoln on south 84th. Um, this happened up uh, northeast. Um, little foot chase, taser. Little struggle, Ooh. you know. So, but they managed to get uh, the guy uh, arrested. He's uh, in jail, burglary, possession of stolen property, and since he's a multi-convicted uh, felon, he had a uh, loaded firearm in one of the vehicles. So they've got him on possession uh, of a firearm by a prohibited person. So, you know, this happened shortly after six last evening, Northeast Lincoln. So wow, hmm. that was probably the the biggest thing. Otherwise, kind of a quiet weekend around town and since we're all here none of us won the mega millions right <laughs> no that one was sold in illinois and you talk about taxes <laughs> <laughs> that is not the state you want to win that that's, one that's in. true that's right they they couldn't they couldn't even drop the uh the deficit of uh, illinois much <laughs> if they just gave them the whole thing oh but, man yeah one ticket and uh, one what was it 700 and some million of the cash option yeah so. But they, they're they're going to probably have something in the neighborhood of two hundred two hundred fifty million. That's that's how much the taxes are going to take out. Wow! But here's the thing: we we talk about that how much the taxes take all of it. Um, that two hundred million that's still not nothing, right? You know, but, that, right. But remember, you put that out, and let's say it makes ten percent or five percent interest, you're going to get taxed on that too, yep. right? Going forward, so 
uh, it wouldn't be an issue if we had the fair tax. Yeah, there we go. Start it over. <laughs> Start the count over as we're into August. Yeah. 26 days until Husker football. Um, I'm excited about that because we are into fall camp. Now, aren't you going to get a, 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 a chance to go into practice today? Yep, we've got uh, about 30 minutes that we're able to see at practice okay. uh, a little bit later this morning. But this will probably be one of the few times all season, We right? get two during fall camp. They don't let us in very often, but um, this will be one of those. Got a full show set up for you guys today. Obviously, we're going to get a sound off here in about 10 minutes. Also going to, uh, we are 99 days out from the general election. We'll we'll discuss that a little bit at seven ten morning drive at seven thirty five eight ten. There's a very interesting story from the Omaha World Herald's um, Henry Cordes talking Title IX and where Nebraska fits into that. Um, some room for improvement. And then at eight thirty five, gonna play a little bit of a clip from the Jack Mitchell podcast because I think he did well with his really cool guest he had on this last <laughs> week. Um, uh, break you're, in. You're, you're, you're a little bit biased on that one. So. Uh, not at all. Yeah, zero percent biased. <laughs> Uh, it's 625, going to get a uh, break here. I'll come back with some sports as well. It is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Want today's top news stories? Top Husker stories? You can get them sent straight to your inbox every afternoon. Just sign up for the daily for free at KLIN.com. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. 637 in the capital city. I've been looking through the Rick Stein recognition text line. Um, You can get a hold of us at 402-479-1400. Just send a text there. We'll get back to you as we can. Um, But I missed all of last week, so or most of last week. And then a lot of the week before. So I haven't seen a lot of the text messages. I got like three or four back and I went, all right, that's enough of the text line. <laughs> um, whatever at Big Ted Media Days with uh, with Frost not really talking at all right. and then going to questions and the way you can interpret all of that, I guess, with it being the moment's too big for him or he's all business or whatever it is. People have got takes on all sides of that. And then apparently Garrett Nelson said something. I'm glad I was out. I didn't have to give opinions on any of that. That there's there's uh we're 26 days from the first game. Let's just go towards yep, that. Go to the game. Um, let's get into the sound off. And we found out over the weekend that President Joe Biden had tested positive for COVID again after testing negative this last week. We just got a new letter from the president's doctor, Kevin O'Connor, who says he's feeling well. He's continuing to feel well. He's maintaining strict isolation measures. And the doctor adding this, quote, the president continues to be very specifically conscientious to protect any of the executive residents, White House, Secret Service and other staff whose duties require any, albeit socially distanced, proximity to him. This as a president is monitoring Speaker Pelosi's trip from here in the residence, having canceled today's trip to Wilmington and a trip to Michigan on Tuesday. All right. So that that's one there that you continue to to, to hope for the best. Um obviously they've got from a from a doctor and medical care standpoint, there's not going to be a person who's better cared for right he's going to um, get it all he got plo is it plovaxid is that what it's called the antiviral yeah and um they call it they've been seeing a bounce rebound so when you have it for about five to eight days or whatever and then and then you test negative then then you get it back again they call it the bounce i yeah. guess and we we actually know a friend of ours who actually is right now going through the bounce 
Okay. And had taken the antiviral, thought they were done. And then she's like, oh my goodness, I got tested positive again, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and so she feels fine, but um, yeah, she's no, that's, got the that's test, the way it all so. sounds. He was doing um, Zoom calls with some folks, and obviously he's been around his dogs and everything. But you think the age, the the age, oh, yeah. the age part just gives gives some concern for wherever people are on yep. the, the the political spectrum. Yep. Um, somewhere else that's uh, been not having a, a great time, and that's to, to say the least. Um, there are at least 26 people have, have died after historic flooding in areas of Kentucky. Uh, more rain is actually expected to fall there as well. Here's the latest. What used to be a home here in Hyman, Kentucky, now reduced to nothing but cinder blocks and mud. There are still search and rescue efforts ongoing. There are still many who are unaccounted for. Emergency responders go going door to door, trying to get access to communities that have just been blocked off as homes and mud and debris have just completely covered roads. Among the wreckage, hope from loved ones who are still missing family members that they'll hear good news rather than another number added to that death toll. In Hyman, Kentucky, I'm Nicole Valdez, Fox News. I think we can relate to a lot of that story with the, we just had flooding here recently, yeah. uh, just a few years ago. So people are able to to look at that and, and have a real life sense of what's going on in Kentucky because of those floods in uh, in 2019 that went across the state of Nebraska. Oh, that's devastated. I mean, I, they're still, we're still not re- totally recovered in those areas. Right, so yeah. imagine what they're going to be going through now, too. Did you see the, the, the downpour monsoon in Vegas? No. Where several casinos were flooded? No, I didn't. Yeah, not because see they don't Vegas. get rain like that. And all of a sudden, out of the, and I guess they're in a big drought as well. Yeah, and as soon as you get any rain in Vegas, there, there's nowhere for it to there's go. There's no for And so they showed, I, I saw videos of just wow. you know, casinos with water pouring out. So it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's never done that when I've been to Vegas. It's just always a thousand <laughs> you degrees. may have felt like water was pouring out, but. <laughs> but the water that was pouring out was pouring out of my, my exactly. skull. And yeah. Um, contrasting Kentucky with the West Coast, um, weather there not helping their wildfire situation. 13 million Northwesterners suffering under heat alerts right now. Dry conditions in Oregon are fueling wildfires as they spread northward despite lower temps in the forecast. Not far from there, crews are struggling to control another fire that's tearing through California's Klamath National Forest. Yeah. We, um, my brother and I took a trip across the country oh, that's out right. to Oregon, you, yeah, you were up California there. and Oregon, uh, for two weeks. And I tell you what, when you see, okay, so when you drive through, you know, the mountains and all that, you see the forest and all that, it's beautiful. But then when you see, uh, forests that have just been, uh, you know, consumed by fire, it's, it, it it's hard when you look at that to see how to, number one, how do these people survive through that to have homes there? Number two, it, you know it's going to take decades for the landscape just to get back to where it is because mm-hmm. it just looks horrible. Then we went through Yellowstone and same thing, you know, Yellowstone had, you know, we went to Old Faithful and all that and they had a uh, fire that went through, must have been last year or so, mm-hmm. uh, burned most of that down. Um, the good thing, the, the good thing about it though was you could see all the wildlife. Yeah. So when we drove through, I think I told you this, you know, we saw buffalo everywhere and more deer than I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's horrible to see the damage, um, that that does. Right. And the, the, the fires, especially forest fires or anything that, that has gone across, say, grassland areas, those are all, at least from my understanding, a natural part of right. the, the, the life cycle and the, the rebirth for, uh, and rejuvenation for 
the the biologic system. So you have everything go through, gets wiped out with fire, but then it, it grows back mm-hmm. stronger, and it, it's a way to go through and um, clear out the dead parts, and everything comes back um, with more life. Now, the part where all of that gets especially tricky is where humans are. You right. know that that that's a big part. If there if there was no um, if there were no people on the west coast where these wildfires are, it would just go okay. Maybe there are some parts that forest rangers or somebody needs to go in and block off where that wildfire can spread to, because you have controlled burns. Right. That's why you yep. see. That's why you see controlled burns happen in Kansas, and we right. get all that smoke come up here. Um, you will go through, and you see it in in national forests, places that you have controlled burns, so that you can go through and help out the long term life of that biome mm-hmm. of that specific forest, grassland, whatever. But because people are there, it's the same thing with the flooding in Kentucky. If there were no people there, right, it's, it, it goes, matter. okay, okay, there's flooding. But um, people, yeah, it, it, things become a lot more, um, a, lot, a lot trickier. And you have all those fires going on the West Coast, and there's all of the heat, and there's the drought. And if you, you see the areas, we see it here especially, the number of times that there's tornadoes. Right. Think about when there were all those tornadoes went across the state back in December. There were only a couple of them that really hit some populated areas. But the number of tornadoes that we see, there's touchdown and they are um, out and they might hit a, a farmhouse or a very, very small community will be impacted. You don't hear about it as much because there's not as much of a population at risk. Right. That's why across Tornado Alley, you see so many tornadoes, but it's not talked about as much unless it does devastate an entire town or community. Yeah, I remember or, driving through, it was late 90s, driving through Oklahoma City when they got yeah. hit. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And we intentionally had a buddy of mine we met uh, just outside of Oklahoma City, and um, I hadn't seen devastation like that in my life. So we intentionally drove around as far as we could because had a lot of places blocked off just because, uh, you know, to see what the devastation actually does, to see how it impacts people. Um you know, I was a pastor at the time, and mm-hmm. so we just wanted to see, you know, how do they do that? How do they take care of people, and uh, and and what kind of devastation that bring? I haven't experienced anything naturally, really, that's impacted our family mm-hmm. um, per se. But I know if it would, it would be horrible, you yeah. know. And that's exactly what they're dealing with out there. And you look at the fires, and I remember driving out. I can't remember what city we were driving out of, but those fires actually came right up to the edge of the city, mm-hmm. and you knew. Obviously, evacuations going on. One of our uh, uh, my my parents' friends were evacuated from where they were living there to get out, and and then what do you do? You evacuate, and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's got to be horrible too. Yeah, you evacuate, until you come back. You you've left everything behind. Yep, everything. Um, so so that's that's hard to see up there. Hope um that they're they're able to get everyone out safely because at the end at end of the day, you can you can replace possessions. You can't replace lives. right. Has your family ever been impacted by? Something natural um, like that? Not not directly in, in the in terms of the the natural devastation right. like coming through a home or apartment or vehicles or anything like that. Like I've driven a car through flooded streets and stuff right, like right. that. Um and a few years ago, actually that's how I ended up in Des Moines before I ended up here is um the the place I was working at before laid me off because there was a flooding came through and some folks weren't able to then pay bills to mm. uh the the place that I was working at. So it's it was very indirect for right. me personally, but nothing where what is going on is impacting my home or my possessions. Mm-hmm. Yep.
changing it up, going a little international. I'm sure people already knew this, but apparently it, it's new out there in uh, in Asia. But Russian President Vladimir Putin has officially designated the United States as the top rival of Russia. Kind of the obvious there. During the country's Navy parade in St. Petersburg, Russian President Vladimir Putin met with his Navy's top brass and touted the country would soon have a new hypersonic missile that it's been testing. Here in Ukraine, as Russian forces make new gains in the east, President Vladimir Zelensky calling for a mandatory evacuation of the Donetsk region. Tonight, he urged his country not to give up. In Odessa, ships full of grain remain docked. Grain shortages have already triggered a global food crisis. Now Zelensky says the country will likely only collect half of its usual harvest because of the war. Uh, that's going to have impacts across the world on, yep. on where all of those those harvests end up. Because you got to feed people. Yep. Um, got to feed people, got to gotta keep the, the power on, and you're seeing what the... What that energy crisis is doing and the food crisis is doing across Europe, and that spreads elsewhere. Because Russia controls a majority of the energy, right, coming in gas, natural gas. And then Ukraine is one of the top. I didn't know this until the war happened and we're starting to see the impact. They're one of the top producers of, like, wheat, right, in the entire world. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that'll impact, and then you don't have that export going out. Yeah. Uh, staying abroad, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, many are wondering if she will be visiting Taiwan while she is out and about on that side of the world. All eyes on a possible Pelosi stop in Taiwan. Taiwan located right between the announced stops of Singapore and Malaysia and South Korea and Japan. But no Taiwan visit officially exists on the speaker's schedule. Meanwhile, the USS Ronald Reagan and its group has moved into the South China Sea with the Pentagon not commenting on ship movements as the administration has not explicitly advised Pelosi to avoid Taiwan, but they are reassuring Beijing that long-standing one-China policy has not changed in any way. Um, now we are into the summer, and last week I know we threw on some uh, we threw on some sunscreen. Have you guys been? You use sunscreen, right? Yeah. Like we yep. we all try to yep. at least, and then then we burn and right. Um, and then especially while I was on my fishing trip, we threw a little bit on. There is a sunscreen maker warning of a potential danger though with one of its products. Just as this summer is heating up, just a few weeks out from the start of school, Banana Boat is recalling a sunscreen spray that may put you at risk for cancer. Edgewood Personal Care Company says benzene was detected during internal reviews of banana boat hair and scalp spray with SPF 30. The sunscreen contains trace amounts of the chemical which can cause cancer with repeated exposure. The company directed retailers to pull the spray from three batches off store shelves. Customers who bought the product will be reimbursed. No other banana boat products are included in the voluntary recall. A little over a year ago, Johnson & Johnson recalled five sunscreens also found to contain benzene. Richard Jordan, Fox News. So that's a little bit of a a catch-22 for (laughs) folks that that have that product. And obviously, if it's recalled, you can go get get that returned. Um, But it's the, why do you put sunscreen on? To avoid sun damage and then potentially skin cancer. (laughs) And this particular product, with with, uh, exposure to it, possibility of cancer so yeah make sure you're checking those um i actually threw a bottle of banana boat sunscreen to my wife yesterday so i'm gonna was, have to have was, her check was, it was out it the spray it wasn't spray okay, it was cause, the cause this, lotion because this one in particular is the spray okay. 
Um, so if you have those products, make sure you check those out. Go online. You can find what those uh, what those specific what that specific product is because right. want to make sure we're safe here in the last few uh, last few weeks of summer. Obviously, it'll still be hot as we get into school started and football and cross country and people being outside. So you're still going to be using sunscreen, but um, just make sure you're using stuff that is uh, safe. And to it's be important out there. to get checked on Wednesday. I'm getting my whole body checked for skin cancer or any other issues Mm so i know my uncle had skin cancer on his head and and uh, he's dealing with that now so it's important i had this in uh in sports and we've we've heard fox talk about it a little bit but bill russell the the Mm -hmm. great bill russell um he passed away yesterday starting to the news of the passing of NBA legend Bill Russell is certainly sending shockwaves through the sports world. Uh, Russell was widely considered the greatest champion all of sports. His list of accomplishments are vast, winning 11 championships and five MVP awards in his 13-year career with the Boston Celtics. Born on February 12, 1934, Russell grew up in a heavily segregated Louisiana. He battled racism in basketball and America in Boston, a city where he was not embraced in the same way as white players. He spoke up often about treatment of black players, and he was front and center at the height of the civil rights movement. So how's about this for for the late Bill Russell, passed away at the age of 88? Two state championships. And you think, okay, there's a lot of guys make the NBA. They, they won a state championship, or they, they played on some of these really, really good teams that play across the country, and they're always ranked in like the top 10 or 25. But then he goes on, wins two NCAA championships, an Olympic gold medal back when you had to be an amateur to play. So if he would have been professionals, he probably would have won more Olympic golds. Um, So you get like the one chance at it. 11 NBA titles as a player, then two more as a coach, where he was the first black head coach of any North American professional sports team. That is that is simply a legacy of winning. Yep. And then he went beyond that, fought for civil rights, and, and, and his voice carried a lot of weight there. Um, and you see a lot of the videos that were being shared yesterday, him talking with when Kevin Garnett got to the, got to the Celtics and talking about, you're going to win some titles here. And then they did. Um, and the way he talked to other great players, like, there's a very beautiful video out there. I know Dirk Chatelain shared it um, of... Bill Russell talking with Kobe Bryant right at the end of Kobe Bryant's career. Like it's very cool to see what, what some of these greats and the way that they've, they've interacted, but you cannot talk uh, professional sports in North America and you especially cannot talk basketball without talking about the the greatness and the winning of Bill Russell. What a generation of athletes. You think about that. I was asking you about the Nolan Ryan documentary and Mm -hmm. did you look at all these greats in their fields and that a generation of of athletes was amazing yeah what they accomplished and then and so you you start to wonder okay what's what's today's generation legacy going to be in 40 50 years um hard to project those out (laughs) um weekend box office here's how it went Wake up, buddy. It is walk o'clock. The summer box office showed signs of slowing down this weekend as the animated DC League of Super Pets opened in theaters across North America. I have an owner. He's Superman. And I'm up. Studio estimates Sunday show the superhero spinoff about Superman's dog earned $23 million from over 4,000 locations. That is slightly less than expected, but enough to capture the first place spot and knock Jordan Peele's Nope into second place. You think whatever kill Pops? He's out there.
Nope fell over 50% from its debut last weekend and earned an additional $18 million. Third place went to Thor, Love and Thunder. Coming in fourth, Minions, The Rise of Gru. And Top Gun Maverick lands at number five. Mary Corsetti, Fox News. I'm interested in seeing that Superhero Pets movie. Though. It looks fun. Doesn't it? I, I hope... Okay. I hope it's better than the way they just <laughs> talked about it. Um, last one. We'll get out of here on this. Did you know there was a there was a very famous birthday yesterday? Possibly. Meet George Jetson. We've all spent time with George Jetson over the years. But did you know Sunday, July 31st, 2022 is the day he was born? Well, at least we think so. This week, a fan tweeted a screenshot of George's online fan page listing the 31st as his birthday. Fans have been having fun with it ever since, and while we'll never know for sure, the math may make sense. The Hanna-Barbera series premiered in 1962, and promotional material stated the Jetsons lived 100 years into the future, which would place them in 2062. An episode in Season 1 determined George was 40 years old, which would make the year he was born 2022. Kevin Uretsky. Fox News. Guys, we got a lot of technology to work up to in the next 40 years, okay? (laughs) I think that's where we're at. Um, That's your sound off. It is 6.57. We'll come back, wrap up uh, this hour here in just a moment here on KLIF. You're listening to LMK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Plenty of show coming up. we got 99 days till the general election. Also going to talk with Henry Cordes of the Omaha World Herald Title IX. All that coming up at 7 o'clock on KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Seven Eleven. I'm Caleb Henry, Doug Fitzgerald in studio with me, Jack Mitchell on vacation this week, Mark Vale in the KLIN newsroom, and believe it or not, as we've gone through all of the countdowns, you hear it in all of my sportscasts, we're down to 26 days until Husker football. Um, we talked about yesterday was the maybe birthday for George Jetson, <laughs> his boy Elroy. Um, that was 100 days. Yesterday marked 100 days until the general election yeah. in November. That's just amazing to me as we've gone through all of this and we, we've gone through um, that entire primary season with just bonkers. Um, and now we're, we're past the special election. 99 days until November 8th, the, the general election. And there's a, there's a lot that's going to get figured out here, obviously. Um, and we'll have Mark Vale join us in a little bit as well. Um, as he's doing some work in the newsroom, and I see him over there with Chris Lofgren. But you obviously have the governor's race, where you're pretty sure it's going to go one direction, right. um, because you assumed that the the GOP primary was going to effectively select your next governor of the state of Nebraska. But there's been the change-up in GOP leadership right. within the party does that do anything to that race? I don't think it does. Um, you have got your uh, you've got your congressional races. You already had a special election that was effectively your um, it's good, that's the same race that you're going to see on November right. 8th for locally and you had Mike Flood win that one, but Patty Pansing Brooks maybe did better than some folks 
thought she would for a special election. Now, I find that hard to... When you talk what happened in the special election, it's very difficult to take that and say, all right, because of these results, you can expect XYZ whatever in the general election. I know we talked about this immediately after the special as well, but just to to go through now that we're in the 99 days until the general election, you're going to have different people voting in that special election. There'll be a lot of the same, but you're going to have different people when you get to the general because there are going to be other races that draw more people in. Right. Um, there's going to be the ballot initiatives that draw people in, um, but it's not a presidential year. So you have to count on not getting the same people that come to vote just because there's a presidential, um, there's a presidential race on the ticket. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be, it's going and it seems like, you know, and you say a hundred days out, right? We've been in election mode. It seems like all year. To this point because of the special election the primaries and where we're going now so it'll come it'll come up quick uh, i think everybody was tired right of all the especially with the governor's race of yeah and how mudslinging everything was getting towards the end and how horrible really um we were seeing just ad after ad after ad just bashing 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 we're po- i don't know if we're going to see uh, hopefully it's going to be more of a positive spin as we go into the next 3 months mm-hmm. um i don't know it'll be interesting but i i would think so maybe not uh but i think with uh uh with herbster and pillen that <laughs> that that brought out the worst in i think what we see in politics normally um and you even saw shots thrown at lindstrom oh yeah like you, you, all you, across you, the board it was lindstrom and then towards the end with thibodeau i mean it was they were going to make sure that they were going to knock those those two out completely to make sure it was just focused on them and then obviously i think it didn't go a certain way that some people thought mm-hmm. and uh, but a lot a lot of that the way it was handled in the in the mudslinging within the party i from everyone that i've talked to that's part of the reason that there was the there, there was the rise up. There was the change in GOP leadership that yeah. they had at their state convention a few weeks ago. Um, so you have all of that going on, and, and now we're going to see. I mean, guys, most likely you're, it's still going to be a, a Republican governor right. um, here elected the night of November eighth. Now, for those other races, we talked a little bit on the congressional race for uh, for hours here with it being flood and Patty Pansing Brooks. I don't anticipate when when you talk a little bit of the mudslinging, you might have some people, um, especially outside groups, mischaracterize the other's record. You see that a lot happen right. a lot. Of course, um, I think you're still going to see that, but I don't anticipate it being too destructive between Flood and Pansing Brooks because they've been colleagues. You right. know, like they've worked together. Um, that's something that that I, I talk about in the Jack Mitchell podcast. When you know somebody. It's hard to look at them as specifically an enemy, you know. Like it's it's hard to to look at them and go, I have nothing in common with this person. As soon as you you get to know people, it's much harder to do that. Well, and then you, that's where you get to work together, right? That's where you cross that line of can we work together? Yeah. And it's when you get to know somebody, and that's why I always tell people you gotta you you gotta spend time with someone, mm-hmm. right? Get whether you agree with them or not. It's the only way you can get things done. Extreme, you know, you, you've got extremes on both sides, but the truth and the values usually are found somewhere in the middle. And the question will be, I think, for the next year or so with the Republican Party is, can they mend fences? There are so many splinters within the Republican Party and with what happened over the last few months. 
can people come back together with the change of leadership? And um, from a Republican standpoint, can they, you know, really drive forward their, you know, what their uh, talking points and agenda is mm-hmm. um, and get behind each other? So even within their own party, there's the splintering, right, where they need to be working together. You don't see that much with the Democrat side. Um, well, that's because the Democrats them, haven't put up a lot of, haven't even filled their, their races, especially a lot of the right? statewide ones. Yeah. Like they're just looking for bodies. They're right just looking now. for people to get in there, and the Republican side is tearing people down so much. Can, the question is, can they even work together? Mm-hmm. And that's I, you know, as I step back and look in, and from from a political standpoint, I've always been interested from you know the outside mm-hmm. um, looking in. But actually, over the last uh, year or so, being able to uh, interview a lot of the political candidates and public servants that we have within the country, it's been uh, within the state has been really encouraging um, to be able to get to know. people people, like you said, Caleb, and be able to work with them, understand their political uh, viewpoints, understand their positioning as well, and then also understanding if they can work together. I had a chance to talk to one of the state senators uh, a few weeks ago, and he was really sharing with me, because I asked him the question, I said, is there still the ability to be able to go in and say, listen, we're on different, we're in different parties. Can we actually work together? And mm-hmm. he was so encouraging. He gave me, he gave me hope <laughs> with the political <laughs> process because he said, Doug, I've worked on a certain um, agenda item for me. And he said, I spent years. He said, my philosophy isn't going in there. And if I don't get what I want, I'm just going to pout about it, you know, and, and, and walk away. He said, I spent the time realizing that I need to work together. And my agenda item, I'm going to try to, you know, get an inch at a time. Mm-hmm. And in the process, build and develop relationships. And he said the only way he's been able to do that is be able to work ap- across party lines. Right. And that's like what you said. Once you get to know somebody and build a relationship and build the trust is what we're talking about, then you can work together to to advance, you know, hopefully what's best for the constituents that you represent. So there's hope. I think there's some. I think there's hope and, and there's light uh, coming. Hopefully in the future, is at least where yeah. I'm standing point that we're gonna uh, we're gonna be able to see some of that change. So there's the gubernatorial race, the local congressional race. Uh, Mark, where where are we at on the ballot initiatives? How how many are we gonna have on uh, on November eighth? I think you're probably gonna have at least two, maybe the third. Uh, you know, we should hear sometime in the next few days uh, if they've got the required signatures and that have been you know vetted and. But I, I would see the, uh, I'd see three of them possibly, mm-hmm. for sure. And th- those are that would include the two medical marijuana. Yeah, yeah, ones. The, the two medical marijuana. Okay. Yeah, and then um, the uh, voter ID. Voter ID. Yeah, I see the, I see those all moving forward. I don't think they're going to have the necessary stuff for the for the other ones. Constitutional right. carry. I mean, there were seventeen of them, I believe, at one point. That's the uh, the N- Nebraska second house. Yeah. We're working working a little overtime. Yeah, and and we should hear in the next few days the efforts by Let Lincoln Vote to get the local uh, fairness ordinance on the ballot. So those signatures are due, I believe, uh, today. And that would be yeah. on the the November eighth ballot as yes. well. Yeah. Okay. Lincoln only, obviously. Right. Yeah. It obviously um, as you go through because not not everyone's ballot looks the exact same. Oh, there's <laughs> <laughs> ballots across the city. I, you know, I think one time I don't remember how many uh, Dave Shively said many different ballots are were across the county, but it's in it's in the hundreds, I believe. Yeah, different. So, um, and I know the drive time Lincoln with Commander Jack Riggins, they do a good job of getting a lot of the candidates on for uh, many of the races. Uh, there's also going to be some unicameral 
races that we'll have because there are some some openings, term limits. Um, Patty Pansing Brooks obviously is is one going out, but she's also trying to uh, to win the congressional race that she's in. So she was going to be on her way out regardless in that one. Yeah, and and if um, and if she wins that, of course, she'll be able to finish out her term in the in the state. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, I would I would still put out at least a small possibility of a special session. Yeah, I I I don't know what you have to think about that, Doug. But you know, this uh, as as we get more clarification from some court rulings on other right. states and and on abortion, uh, it's been talked about. But I have not uh, I, I'm not seeing a groundswell at this point. Uh- but they. I, I think it's a hundred percent certain they'll take it up in the in uh, next year's session. Well, and I've been surprised, yeah, that we haven't seen a special session for that. Um, as soon as the ruling came out from the Supreme Court in in regards to abortion, I thought for sure we would start seeing um, more talk about that, but I haven't, and I don't know if, the, if that's a uh, you know strategic move at this point. Um, and as they move into the elections this fall. And then be able to take it up in the next session. Uh, I'm assuming that's what it is, uh, but we'll be curious to see what they do. Well, I, th- I think part of it though is you're seeing some of these state laws, these uh, so-called what were they, where they immediately went into effect. I right. drawn a blank on what the term was, um, but anyway, some of those have been trigger laws. Trigger, trigger laws. Trigger law. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think some of those are being challenged, and, and got to kind of see where they come down. Although it's in other parts of the country, you never know on an appeal where it would end up. Um, but I, I think that may be stalling a little bit. Let's see where some of this shakes out a little bit, uh, because we do we do have the the uh, the cost factor, um, you know, that would be uh, talked about as well. Yeah. But the state's in very very good shape financially. But I think they need to be because who knows what's coming down the pike with inflation <laughs> and recession and all of that. All right, so ballot initiatives, governor's race, congressional races, um, state legislative races. Yeah, there, there, and, there's a lot going on for a non-presidential year here, and then obviously the the larger impacts what that does for those that are elected to Washington. Do the Republicans take the House and the Senate? Do they just take one? Do they not take either? Um, what that does for the last two years of the current term for President Joe Biden. There, there are a lot of implications nationally and then obviously locally because um, for everything that happens in Washington, D.C., you're going to be a lot more impacted by your local elected representatives anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, all politics is local, local, local. I mean, mm-hmm. that's where it, it really hits the uh, where the rubber hits the road, if you will. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see uh, things start to pick up in the next, what did you say, 99 days? 99 <laughs> days. Is that all? That's it. Double digits. Wow, but uh, when do we? What point do you do you anticipate, Mark, that we start to see a lot more ramping up for the campaigns oh, it, for this it, November? It'll be in the next week. I mean, we're going into the August recess, Congress, and I think mm-hmm. you'll start to see um, campaigns pick up the pace between now and and uh, now that we're in, as you mentioned, the double digits. It seems like the August recess is where, if I remember, especially in the midterms, that's where things really start to get heated and start to pick up because uh, both the House and Senate members are back in the district for almost a full month, yeah. and so or in their respective states. So that gives them the opportunity to get out there without having to run back and forth to D.C. Well, we've had a pretty big lull after the primaries, even through the special election. So uh, hope you all enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. 
I thought it was great. It was. Take a take a break because it was it was constant. I don't know if I've ever seen so much in regards to negative ads. Hey, other side of that coin. Yeah, it's good. Pays the bills That's here. Right. That's right. And and don't forget, we still got that uh, the pending lawsuit in the. Uh, and the Slama Herbster deal. Oh, I mean, gosh. that's that's back in the news again today. So. That's never ending. All right. Well, thank you, Mark, uh, for for some help out there. Ninety nine days till the general election. Just a couple minutes till you get your sports here on KLIN. It is seven twenty five. LNK today with Jack and friends. Sign up for the daily at KLIN.com to get today's top local and Husker news sent straight to your email and drive. Presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three. KLIN. We've got a lot to get to this morning, so without any further ado. Number five. Well, the first ship carrying Ukrainian grain set off from the port of Odessa this morning. It uh, loaded corn following an internationally brokered deal that's expected to finally allow large stores of Ukrainian crops to reach foreign markets and ease a growing hunger crisis. The Sierra Leone flagged uh, cargo ship departed Odessa this morning, headed for Lebanon. Russia and Ukraine signed separate agreements with Turkey and the U.N. clearing the way for Ukraine, which is, of course, one of the key breadbaskets of the world. They're going to be able to export 22 million tons of grain and other agricultural goods that have been stuck in Black Sea ports because of Russia's invasion. And this has also caused a backup because where they are able to harvest uh, their crops this summer, no place to put them because they haven't been able to export grain. So hopefully yeah. this will get things moving and, uh, you know, free up some uh, some capacity. So, uh, but th- what, this is probably the first positive thing we've really heard out of this situation uh, in, what, five months that they've been at this? Yeah. So so what is this going to mean? Because we've talked a lot about food prices. What, what is that going to mean? Potentially, obviously, more they're clo- the closer you are to it with, with Europe, but um, down the line for the United States. Well, it's not going to affect food prices here, I think, at okay. all. But what it's really going to do is it's going to help stave off some of the severe shortages of food that they have in Africa and other places in the Middle East. Uh, some of these areas in Africa, especially, uh, just really in tough shape. Uh, so it's it's going to help that portion of the world a lot quicker. It's going to take a little bit of pressure off the world market, but not significant enough right now because there is so much demand yet out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, we haven't gotten into the harvest season yet around here with a wheat harvest well underway, uh, finished in a lot of areas. But uh, we we don't know exactly how uh, the corn crop here is going to be affected, soybeans, uh, this heat, and, of course, the the floods that we've had in Kentucky and other parts of the country. Right. So we're still looking at, uh, you know, a, I don't want to say food shortage, but much tighter supplies than we should have had had the normal course of agricultural trade been allowed to proceed out of Ukraine. Mark, do we have, do we export from the United States, you know, a lot of this grain? Oh, we export, yeah, we export a lot of product. Which will help? Yes, yeah. But one of our biggest customers is China. Mm. For grains, feed grains, especially corn, um, because of their uh, burgeoning pork industry. Uh, They need that, soybean meal and uh, the poultry industry over there, you know, they just don't have the capacity to uh, grow uh, what they need to feed their people. So, uh, yeah, and, and and even Nebraska beef is exported. I mean, uh, beef exports, I think Nebraska is number one in beef exports mm-hmm. uh, as far as the states are concerned. So, yeah, we're really just, 
I would describe it as bottlenecked within the where food is at because you, you were talking about not not quite a food shortage, but it's bottlenecked on it in that it's going to get here, but the demand is so high because stuff has been pushed behind that it doesn't quite catch you up right away. Well, the the five-month war that's been going on there has really created a supply chain issue, if yeah. you will. I mean, it's exacerbated an already tough situation, uh, but it, it really has put the pinch on uh, ag exports out of uh, that part of the world. Mm-hmm. So, And, you know, war does that. Yeah. It's, it's ugly. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll continue to follow that. It'll be... I still just want the grocery store prices to go down. Yeah. Like here here locally, and well, I know... Just, just remember one thing. Your grocery store bill is not necessarily your food bill. Right. we got we got to put a little bit of this in perspective. I mean, we get a lot of stuff at the grocery store that is not uh, food-related. Uh, when, when I'm talking... I know, what, I know what you're saying, but when I'm talking my grocery store bill, yes. I'm specifically talking the meals we're going to be having for the week. Yes. Not I, I, not, not I, entirely the, the toilet paper and Kleenex and the, the toy for Millie and here's some clothes that we maybe needed and some socks and trash bags. And, and some dog food. I, I know a lot of that ends up being in the grocery store bill yes. because we, we, we get them all in one place. Um, but specifically talking the food part of that, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it, it's part of the core uh, of, of everybody's um, financial situation. And inflation and supply chain has uh, is been a big issue. Mark, uh, One of the biggest things driving food prices right now is the price of fuel to get the product to market, processed and to market. I mean, you know, fuel has gone up. Diesel fuel has doubled in the yeah. last year. And that all gets passed on to the end user. Yes, sir. I was going to, going back to Ukraine, have we heard how the war has impacted actually the growing season there? Because if that gets impacted as well, then that totally cuts off supply. Right. It it creates a a massive shortage. There have been some issues, I understand. It's very difficult to get updated information on that. Uh, But the, the Russians have... In general, allowed agriculture to con- agriculture to continue going. to operate, but uh, th- that's not been a hundred percent. So, but to what extent it has uh, affected production this year, I do not know. Yeah. All right, moving on. Number four, former Nebraska gubernatorial candidate Charles Herbster will be allowed to add more examples to his defamation lawsuit against State Senator Julie Slama. Uh, Johnson County District Judge Rick Schreiner resolved some issues uh, from a June hearing. He issued a two-page ruling last Thursday, and Aaron Sandiford in the uh, Nebraska Examiner this morning outlines all of those details. Uh, however, one of the things that Herbster wanted was, a, um, I guess, a restraining order, if you will, uh, to muzzle one of Slama's attorneys from defending her publicly, and the judge says, nope. Not going to do that, but he is allowed to add to his examples that uh, will go in the lawsuit. Now they're expect they're expected to have a a hearing again later this month, I believe, on those latest additions. And so this thing is, uh, you know, moving at the speed of uh, well, we thought it might be, get a hearing before the uh, primary election, but obviously that didn't happen. It's like. Just everything revolving around, because some of this does stem back to that District 1 race. District That was District 1. District 11? 
Oh, the, 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 the Slama the, Palm the, Tag. The Slama Palm Tag. Mm. Yeah, I think um, that's District 1, isn't it? Um, but so much of that fallout had continued through the primary, and then you had um, these accusations come out and where this is now. How much longer is this going to, to go on, do you think? Oh. Like, like what, what, what's, what's the end of this timeline before ramifications or, or the fallout um, officially is at, at its at its end? What's what's your what's your best guess for uh, <laughs> quick court action? Uh, right. You know, I just I, I don't have a clue what they it, it, the next hearing it could you know move it forward. It could uh, delay it. Um, I, I see this thing going well into next year. Okay. Unless they decide to, to settle it or withdraw them all, I, which I doubt will happen at this point. <sighs> I just... Yeah, that's kind of the way I feel. Yeah, it, it's a, there, there's, there's, like, there's no easy way to... It just keeps being a little bit more, a little bit more. So um, so thanks for, for the update on there. Although it's just like... When will it end? When, well, when, when will all of this get get figured out? And you can kind of move on with with all the parties involved. Well, and, and quite frankly, there's been some changes in the state Republican Party, and while they're not directly involved, we, you, you know, you've got these these Republican uh, legislators or Republican operatives going at each other. And where does the state party? Uh, what type of influence, or uh, can they interject anything that might either move it along or? Or get it dismissed, or or get it settled, so that it becomes, uh, so that it doesn't become a uh, leading story over the course of the next few years, uh, months, or weeks, or whatever. Right. However uh, long, you know, I, I I don't know where that will go. Um, and your guess is as good as mine, and I'd place money on Doug's uh, uh, analysis of it. <laughs> well, there you go. You get what you pay for. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> Number three. Health Department reported another COVID-19 death Friday. A man in his 70s hospitalized and vaccinated. That brings the death total in the county to 446. 67 new cases reported and 35 people hospitalized, 30 of those Lancaster County residents. Now, vaccination clinics are uh, are scheduled. We've got that full rundown and a link to the information at KLIN.com, but uh, you know, this is one of the, the the one thing about the increase in COVID cases now, as we've talked about in the past, is we're hearing very, very few of these deaths. But what we have to remember is that it still does take a member of the community every now and then. How long do you think we're going to keep reporting at this level with deaths and all? Because I was thinking about that this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, you have one death, but then if you look at statistics in Lancaster County, heart disease, cancer, uh-huh. you know, double, triple what COVID's doing, well, even more than that now. And at what point do we, you know, because we we're not reporting about those. Right. I think as long as it is, as long as it is significant from the health department, as long as it's front and center from them. I think that it's important still to pass along those numbers and right. report on them. Um, you're right, though. There, there are a lot of other... Because then it's dropped. I mean, it's dropped. Yeah, oh, it's dropped significantly. If you look at where we are, August 1, 2022 to August 1, deaths. 2021, um, it, it's a very different world that we're in, right. thankfully. 
You know, right. like happily in a very different place. But as long as it's a, a significant report coming from the health department, as long as it can have an impact on anything, like where that COVID risk dial is, I know a lot of people get very frustrated with that. But as long as decisions are being made based on these numbers, then I do think it's important for it to be reported. You know? I think it's also an issue of this is a communicable disease, and like flu and now monkeypox, where there are vaccines, there are treatments so that these flare-ups little different than than heart disease and some of these uh, you know health cons- health diseases health concerns that are not necessarily transmissible from one person to another so i think you've got a little different dynamic around that very factor uh so i i would have a hunch that in some way or shape or form these statistics will probably become part of the norm i think they'll be fewer and far between uh just like flu reports i mean flu is quite frankly, a, a seasonal-type virus. Uh, if COVID ever gets to be that type of virus and it becomes more and more prevalent seasonally, I think you'll see an adjustment in how, how they're... Um, but right now, you know, we're reporting the monkeypox virus. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the communicable disease part of it changes that uh, public dis- uh, dissemination yeah. of information. That's That's the way I see it. Yeah. Number two. There have been a number of celebrations and uh, will be more throughout the years. We're 50 years into Title IX, but Nebraska has some room to improve, according to an Omaha World Herald article yesterday, which shows the numbers for women are still below what would put NU in compliance. Uh, you're going to talk, uh, I believe, with somebody next hour, aren't you guys? Yeah, we're going to have Henry Cortez on um, from the Omaha World Herald. He wrote this up, uh, did a really good job going through the numbers um, on different schools not just the university of nebraska but um, other schools in the state other schools in the conference and across the country talking big 10 conference but the university of nebraska is about um, 59 women short of what would put the university of nebraska at i believe it's about 50 50 for being in compliance with title nine now there's a few different ways you can be in compliance with that and henry's going to give us those because there are some misconceptions about what puts you in compliance with Title IX? Is it having the same number of teams? Is it having the same number of scholarships available? Um, both of those are not the answer, by the way. Um, but Nebraska is where they're at because of the large football roster size. So you have so many more male student-athletes that you need to find a way to get those female student-athletes. And in the, the, the World Herald article talked about how Trev Alberts has said um, they're doing an internal investigation into it. Um, yes, when he was at UNO, Nebraska-Omaha, they did cut the football and wrestling programs, which put them in compliance with Title IX immediately because mm. you didn't have that number of male student athletes on campus um but but uh but henry went and broke down all the numbers creighton by the way also without a football team also in compliance with title nine so nebraska it's not going to be i don't think you're gonna cut the like you're not gonna cut the walk-on program with nebraska but you might have to limit it a little bit from from what it has been to bring those numbers down now how do you get more female student athletes to campus is it starting another sport right um which that's hard to do with the with what we've known financially over the last couple of years coming out of covid this has the potential to be a big ish deal i think having trev alberts here who's been part of the athletic department as 
um, obviously now as an administrator, but was part of it before as, as a player and then a, a, a grad assistant. So I think Nebraska has the right leadership to get to where they're more in compliance with Title IX. You get to a personal level and how it impacts people individually on your podcast, Hey Dad, uh-huh. the first one with Rob Zadiska. Yeah. He talks about his mom uh, being involved in sports in college and then his daughters and how it's impacted them. I know one of his daughters wrestles, I believe. Yeah. And another one rose. Uh, and the the opportunity that they have now because of Title IX being implemented, mm-hmm. uh, it's, cool to, it's cool to hear about just the personal impact in lives of people of what that's made. So, And, and there's, there's a lot of great impact that the University of Nebraska has had. Obviously, you saw the successes. You see the success year in and year out of volleyball. Yep. You saw what women's basketball and softball did this past year. You've seen Rifle, which is the last program that Nebraska added on the women's side back in the late 90s. Um, they, they have um, some some good years. You, you see golf do well. You see bowling has won national titles. Yep. Um, as recently as two years ago. So there are some fantastic things that happen with the the women's athletes. Um, But when you're talking about it being in compliance with Title IX, as we'll talk about here in about uh, 15 minutes, there is some room to to improve for the University of Nebraska. If you're talking about cutting a men's program, is there anything... On the list for that? I don't think they're going to cut a men's program. You don't think so? I don't think they're going to do that. Um, because immediately you start to look at where, where numbers are for stuff. How much can you make up if it was golf, for instance? Um, you, you start to go through the sports and you're like, okay, right. golf, <laughs> tennis. And, and it's like, but those are good opportunities for young people to come to the state of Nebraska and, and be part of the university. So I don't think that's that's one of the things. But you can... You can look at how many walk-ons you're taking on in certain programs. It'd be tough to have a, a crew uh, program here and just be a, have the Salt Creek available for rowing. Would be interesting, though. <laughs> Definitely interesting. Number one. And uh, unfortunately, a pair of monumental deaths over the weekend. Uh, the greatest winner in American sports, Bill Russell, passed away at the age of 88. He won titles in high school, college, Olympics, and the NBA as both a player and a coach. And the actress and singer, Nichelle Nichols, best known for her groundbreaking portrayal of Lieutenant Uhura in Star Trek. Yeah, both of those. When you when you talk folks that were able to do their profession but then also have a voice and an impact on civil rights, both of them yeah. had that. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. talked a lot about um, Nichols' portrayal on, obviously, what that was for being a, a leading black woman who was uh, significant to a show on television. You really didn't have that. A lot of times, side characters. Um, and a lot of times, they were housekeepers. Um, and then Bill Russell, ed- everywhere he went, he won. But he also used his voice with that with the with the civil rights movement. So a um, couple of uh, major ones there, both over the weekend. And um, sad when those come through. But as you have folks getting up there into their, their 80s, late 80s, start to see it happen a little bit an amazing generation we talked about that earlier just an amazing generation of athletes actresses uh, activists um and we're just starting to to, and it's fun to hear rehear their stories again you know what i'm saying after you and ground groundbreaking too and groundbreaking yeah in in one of them i saw yesterday that uh lieutenant uhura and then uh uh, who was the captain uh, on star trek You, you know who i'm talking about Shatner? Shatner, William Shatner. They that was the first time ever on television that they uh, displayed an interracial kiss. Oh wow! 
So, right. so groundbreaking. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. That is your morning drive brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management here on KLIS. Chris Lofgren. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O, morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. 8-11 in the capital city, 76 degrees, going to heat up today. <laughs> this is one of those things that I was very happy to get married a week ago is because the temperature... <laughs> stayed cool for me doug um and it's not going to stay cool for people very long we're going to get high 90s today triple digits tomorrow stay mid to high 90s rest of the week 100 on saturday you had a beautiful week last week compared to this week tell you what besides my uh the choice of my partner i made a good decision on what date we went with (laughs) um another good decision was when i opened up twitter yesterday and i saw this article shared from the omaha world herald talking about Title IX numbers, um, and a, a, re- a review by Trev Alberts and Nebraska because of the the women's athlete gap at NU. And there's a lot of fantastic numbers in here, and it, w- it was very intriguing for me. One, because I love numbers. Anyone who saw my, my, my writings about the difference between the success for men and women and where those stood historically for the two over this past mm-hmm. year, a lot of it was spreadsheets. <laughs> a lot of it was where those numbers are. Um, and that spoke to me in this article because um, Henry Cordes, from everything I read, really likes those those spreadsheets and where the numbers go. And Henry joins us now on LNK Today. Henry, uh, Caleb Henry, Doug Fitzgerald, welcome to uh, LNK Today this morning. Well, and of course, as soon as I'm hosting and not just producing, I don't hit the buttons over here. So, Henry, thanks for joining us on KLIN. Uh, yeah, good to talk to a fellow data nerd. So. Yeah, right. It's 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 a lot of fun to dive into some of those numbers, and and, and you did that with with Title Nine in Nebraska. So let's let's start out with this because there there's there are a lot of misconceptions about Title Nine. What what is the the definition for? a program or a university to be in compliance with Title IX? How do they go about that? Yeah, it's 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 very complicated. It um, uh, And there's a lot of ways to comply with Title IX, right? You have to comply on opportunity, and then you have to comply on the types of benefits you're offering. This kind of really focused on the opportunity because uh, that's really kind of the biggest component of it. And, yeah, the as the law is set up uh, in uh, it gives schools basically three ways to comply with Title IX. They can basically match their women's um, athletic participation with women's enrollment at the school. So if you're like, if your school is like 53% uh, women overall in the student body and you are 53% uh, in women athletes in your athletic department, you are presumed to be, you know, on its face. Uh, compliant with Title IX. Mm-hmm. And what the numbers show when you look around the country is that very, very few schools are, are meeting that standard. Any, in any given year, I look back a few years too, in some years it's been as many as 20%. Now it's more like um, about 14, 15%. But it's, it's um, very, very few schools are meeting that standard. And does that mean the schools are necessarily out of compliance? Well, not necessarily because they give you two other tests that you can pass. One is that you can show you've had a history of increasing opportunity for women. And that's the one that schools relied on a lot as, you know, after Title IX passed and as they were ramping up women's athletics, they could say, well, we're not 
really there yet, but you know, we're moving in that direction. Yeah. But you know, it's been 50 years now. And, uh, <laughs> I think and, there's been some time. Yeah. And so it's become a little bit harder for, and, and, and also in recent decades, very lot fewer women's programs are being added. So it becomes harder for schools to rely on that plank. Then the, the other one, the third one is the most squished one of them all. And it's basically, we are meeting all the uh, interest and, and uh, ability of our our female uh, population when it comes to athletics, and we are uh, offering all the ones for which we have a reasonable amount of competition. And what the experts were telling me on that is that, you know, for if you're a small school in a small state and you mostly compete in, in your state, you know, maybe you could meet that one because it's like, hey, yeah, there's no one else in our state I compete with. But <laughs> right. they but they say schools like Nebraska, you know, that recruit nationally and compete nationally and compete in this big regional conference that very soon will be coast to coast, it's kind of hard for Nebraska to argue that. And so I, some of the experts I've talked to, you know, they weren't willing to say definitively, well, one of them actually did, but they they they, they said it would be, be pretty difficult for them to meet that plank. And and Trev, uh, I talked to him a couple of times for the article. He's pretty open in talking about it and pretty open in saying, yeah, we don't meet plank one. And we that I initiated this review and we're kind of figure out you know, whether we meet these other two planks. And if not, you know, we're going to have to do something about that. Mm-hmm. Henry, is there is there a type of penalty or enforcement then by not there, meeting these standards? Yeah, that's kind of interesting. No, there really isn't. Um, I mean, the, the ultimate, there is, the ultimate penalty is that you would lose your federal funds as a university. Um, it's never happened. And uh, part of the reason that's never happened is that uh, there is really no policeman. It's a completely uh, complaint-driven system, either filing of lawsuits or or filing complaints with the Office of Civil Rights, which in our region is down in Kansas City. But it's never gotten to that because usually when a lawsuit has been filed or uh, one of these complaints is filed, uh, there is a kind of a negotiated settlement, and uh, and schools do agree to make changes. And we saw that in Iowa just across the river just this past year where, you know, uh, I thought it was very foolhardy when when I saw that they had cut women swimming. And I, I remember thinking at the time, they're going to end up in trouble because if you go backwards on Title IX by cutting a women's sport, you invite all kinds of scrutiny. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened. And not only did they have to reinstate their women's swim program, they're not having to add other women's sports they're going to they're going to have to add wrestling because iowa actually has the biggest opportunity gap in the conference we're speaking with omaha world herald writer henry cordes and henry the reason we have you on here the flagship station for husker athletics and i think most stations in the state whether they're an affiliate or not there's a lot of interest in in husker athletics so so where did you find that nebraska fits in with title with Title Nine and their compliance, you you said Trev Alberts they're doing an internal um, audit of it, but but how far off is Nebraska? Well, they they do they are higher than the average of the Big Ten. In the Big Ten, there are about three, maybe four schools that have kind of reached proportionality. Um, Rutgers totally is. Um, Purdue and Illinois arguably are. They're pretty close. Indiana at times has been it, this year. It's it's gap. But most recent data, it, it doesn't seem to be. But most schools um, uh, have have these gaps. Nebraska's is on the upper end of the Big Ten. It's kind of tied fourth, a little bit bigger than average. So uh, not terrible, but uh, but arguably not there either.
Right. And, and it seems that a lot of the programs that, that you, you reference in your article, the part that makes it harder to become in compliance is because of football, right? Oh, absolutely. The, these football rosters are so big. And, you know, look at what has, Nebraska has done over the years to try to balance this, you know, the created sports, uh, it, you know, that 30 years ago, I mean, who would have thought of rifle or bowling or, you know, that they went to some great lengths to try to add these sports. And I've had people say, hey, Nebraska is in compliance. I mean, they have 11 women's sports and only eight for men. So, it doesn't matter. I mean, the number of sports you have doesn't matter because the reason they have more women's sports is they're trying to balance out those big football numbers. And as we know under Scott Frost, they've gotten bigger, um, a lot bigger uh, since he took over as coach. And frankly, that's one of the big reasons they have this gap now is that as under Scott, as he tried to, you know, kind of bring the walk-on program back to where it used to be, he's, he's really expanded that football roster. So what are what are some of the solutions that that universities go through? Obviously, you, you talked about Iowa wanting to go towards cutting sports. They got into some trouble because there was um, there was a women's sport involved with that. But we saw with with Alberts when he was at UNO cut a couple of programs and that put UNO in compliance. Is it is it limiting the participation numbers from walk-ons? Is it adding a women's sport? What, what what are the options that Nebraska has as, at its disposal if it's not able to get through with options two and three on the compliance side of it? Right, and they do have a lot of options. The first thing on Travis, you know, he didn't do that for Title Nine reasons. Right, he decided to move you know to Division One and just decided they couldn't afford to bring football to Division One. It would be super expensive, and um, wrestling they dropped because it did, their new conference that they were joining in Division One didn't offer wrestling, but it did. Yes, it had the effect of making you know instantly compliant with Title Nine. Um, in the past, and, and unfortunately, it still happens sometimes. Men's sports fall by the wayside, and. Um, uh, we've never seen that at Nebraska. Swimming was dropped, but it was really a, uh, unrelated. There was some controversy with the program. Um, uh, most schools are, are not turning to dropping entire sports. They're using something called roster management, where they just kind of try to balance the uh, – you play with the roster numbers, essentially. Uh, you kind of minimize the men's numbers, uh, you know, have kind of the minimum number of men, and you kind of – maximize your women's rosters, maybe even a little beyond what would be normal in some cases to try to bounce out those numbers. And that Nebraska has done that for a while. That was first brought in by Sean Eichhorst um, when he came in and he started doing some roster management and they did reduce the gap a lot through use of roster management. But under Bill Moose, kind of those numbers kind of ballooned again, especially when the football roster increased. So it sounds like Trevor's inclined to do the roster management thing and uh is he the he clearly does not want to drop a women a men's sport you could add a women's sport but he also kind of see i was a little surprised that he was just uh willing to kind of rule that out um because if they added a rugby team or a field hockey team they 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 would go a long way towards Mm -hmm. closing that gap but he's clearly not interested in doing that and by the way those are sports that most big 10 schools uh, offer almost half um offer rugby, uh, most offer uh, field hockey. But, you know, obviously we don't have a history of that sport in Nebraska, right. so uh, I, I, it's understandable. So it looks like he's going to look at those roster numbers. And, and you know, football, I I have to think, is going to be a part of that. Now, the 
it's and it's already happening. I mean, we are already seeing a smaller football roster, which Trev says is unrelated to uh, Title Nine. I think it's more related to how college football is changing right now. We've seen Scott really expand the roster. It really hasn't been that successful. And boy, do they really need to have you know a one walk on for every scholarship player today when they can always go to the portal and just grab a player that they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, our last couple of minutes here with Henry Cortez of the Omaha World Herald. He's got a fantastic story up on Title IX and where Nebraska sits with that. Talking about that roster management, um, you, you talked about how the the football <laughs> roster number coming down a little bit. That's not scholarships. It's it's walk-ons because of right. um, the, the lauded walk-on program that Nebraska has. And it almost doubles the size of the program. Um, right. is, it, is the option there when you talk roster management bring that number down a little bit? And then are you asking women's programs to take on more walk-ons to increase their participation number? That could very well be something they would do. Maybe uh-huh. they'd add five swimmers. Maybe they'd add um, uh, some more track runners. Um, absolutely. kind of. Yeah. They don't have a lot of room to tweak on the women's <laughs> side. Uh, I mean, I've always thought volleyball, you know, huge sport in Nebraska. And um, uh uh, it seems like they could add a lot more volleyball players if they wanted. But, uh, you know, John Cook, he's running a national-level program, and I think he, his feeling is he doesn't want to have more players than right. he needs to, to to operate. So they don't have a lot of room on, on the women's side to tweak those rosters, but I think they could find some room. I, I suspect most of it is going to be some reductions on the men's side. Yeah, I personally think an easy way to fix this would be um, we just saw Iowa add the sport, and Nebraska has it now as a uh, as a sanctioned high school sport with a championship. Women's wrestling, yeah. you you instantly right. get some numbers there, and now your 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 state has that as a sport that the high school women can participate in. I I think that could very well be in Nebraska's future. Um, I, I really do. I think it's a little early for that. Iowa just became the first major college to even mm-hmm. former program. It's questionable who they're even going to have to wrestle with. Maybe they'll wrestle against Shadron, which is one of a few schools in Nebraska <laughs> that has added women's wrestling. So it'll be a while before they get that competition. But I, I think that could very well come. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about the athletic program at Nebraska, which I think arguably should be a reason that they meet plank three is Nebraska does offer every sport down there mm-hmm. that sanctioned on the high school level, except now that wrestling has been created, they don't offer wrestling, but you know, they even have bowling, you know, and so, which is a high school sport in Nebraska. So they, they do currently offer every high school sport that's in Nebraska. I could definitely see wrestling being in their future. I don't think it's in their short term future, right. but 10 years from now, do I think they could have women's wrestling? Absolutely. I think they could. And if we're going to bowl against McKendry, all right, I'm fine with us wrestling Shattering State. Although McKendry's got a very good bowling program. I'll give him that. <laughs> um, hey, Henry, uh, really enjoyed your article. I've enjoyed your writings on Title IX so far, and I'm, I'm glad got to talk to someone else who looks at the stats and enjoys those as well. Um, so thank you so much for giving us some time here on LNK today. Oh, yeah. Thank you, and congrats on your wedding. Hey, thank you so much. That's Henry Cortez, Omaha World Herald. You can find his article there, um, World Herald. Uh, just go to Omaha.com. You can pick that up there as well. We're going to get a check of sports one more time and 
check of news as well. We've got special segment from the Jack Mitchell podcast. We'll have wrap up the show then. But it is 826, 76 degrees here on KLIN. Waking up the capital city with the help of Nitro Cold Brew Coffee from Broken Rail Beverage Company. This is 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Big thanks to Henry Cortez, Omaha World Herald, coming on talking about his article uh, regarding Title IX and Nebraska, where they sit. Uh, Very informative stuff. Oh, really Um, good interview. We'll we'll have that up on the podcast uh, right after the show. So um, very interesting one for anyone who wants to know the specifics on what can put you in compliance with Title IX, at least in, in part of it, uh, because there's a few different ways. And then where Nebraska stands and where what they're looking at as options going forward to put themselves more in compliance um, on, on some of those options. Roster management, possibly adding a women's sport. There, there are a lot of things that Nebraska can do, but he talked with Trev Alberts on it, talked with some industry experts on how to, uh, how Title IX works and, and where it works for the, the, these college programs like the University of Nebraska. So I encourage you to go back, listen to that, and also check out his story at Omaha.com with the Omaha World Herald. Now, talking about podcasts, Jack Mitchell, I was able to be on his podcast last week. Very fun conversation. You can listen to the whole thing. Go to uh, Spotify, go to Google Play, um, Stitcher, all those places. And obviously you can always go to KLIN.com, the free KLIN app. Um, you, you can find all of these different ways to listen to plethora of our podcasts, whether it's our shows like LNK Today, Husker Hour, One Shot, One Live, mm-hmm. Grow Lincoln, Friendly Fire, or uh, in Drive Time Lincoln, or some of our uh podcasts that don't go over the air like the jack mitchell podcast hey dad lincoln business beat and we've got some others that we're working on uh, behind the scenes can't wait for you guys to hear those but this one in particular jack mitchell podcast i was his guest last week wanted to play you a clip of that because the, the conversation uh there's some light parts there are some a little bit heavier parts but it's a it's about an hour in totality for the whole podcast and i just wanted to play you uh, a few minutes of that give you a taste of what jack has been working on away from lnk today one more, one more question i want to get past past school past high school and stuff but i want to ask you a question about your high school so dad's a part of it mom's involved in it you're involved in it your your sisters are involved in it as well yeah you know you and i talk about the news and we talk about we talk about a lot about some of the things that some of the complaints that are leveled against schools Mm -hmm. um and you know, as kind of indoctrinating, as kind of an, an agent of the government, and and, and that corner. And, and I grew up here in Lincoln. I grew up in a, you know, a, 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 I had a graduating class of three hundred fifty. Um, there were schools in Lincoln that had graduating classes that were close to a thousand. Mm-hmm. But you know, when I hear people from small towns talk about public schools, mm-hmm. like there wasn't anybody necessarily like homeschooling or going to private schools because the public school was like the hub of the community right well it like, didn't I mean, like there was nobody like that's a government school right well I, I still knew i still knew a couple of kids in loop city that were homeschooled because their family just wanted to homeschool oh really like that that was just the thing that they wanted um and there's also there are also the schools that think if you go to like if if someone's growing up in the small town of like humphrey there, there's a there's a parochial school there too. So sometimes they're just they're embedded in the community the way they are at some of the small small towns. But for somewhere like Loop City, 
it was it was that high school and nothing else on Friday nights. Town shut down. Type like of it's stuff. on par with the church as an institution yeah. of community. Well, in the so Loop City, there like just to, just for that comparison, there there were several churches. I think in Loop City, it went. You had seven or eight churches and like seven or eight different places that like bars and liquor stores for a town of a thousand. Like that's what you had. You had you had church places to drink in the high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right across the street from Loop City High School is the Catholic Church. The amount of things we did at our high school and then would go across to the church in their like community center area. Like growing up we did Cub Scouts, it was always there. So even though I wasn't Catholic, we were always at someone's church for something or at the school. But the school was what brought the entire community together. Right. Um Everybody was at the basketball game, the football game on Friday and night. Everybody. I, I talked about the when I was a sophomore and we played at State Basketball and we played at North Star. It was standing room only for the game before ours because our entire town came. The towns around us came to be part of our crowd because it, it, you're close-knit for your entire area. Um, and Loop City is also built up of a, a few different towns around there, uh, Ashton, Rockville, and a few others. But... You had everyone show up because you're going to support the kids in your community for what they're doing. There was, uh, my sister was fortunate enough to go to state, I believe, every year in volleyball. Whole town shows up for that. I was, one of the years I was working, um, uh, I was working in central Nebraska and I was covering high school sports and I got to go watch her play there. Um, when I got to here in, in Lincoln, Arcadia Loop City qualified for state in volleyball. I went and watched. I have no connection to anyone on that team anymore, but I went, my town is here. Like, that's still my town. So, yeah, if it's, yeah, the if it's a basketball game. Yeah, the school was the town. The school was the, yes. is the people, and it's just, it, it, it's it's interesting because in so many cases, you know, we don't, and, and maybe it's just in bigger cities that it's looked at differently. But well, it is, it's so hard, like on the part where there's a lot of talk about the, it's the schools are indoctrinating the children um, type of thing. Well, it's, it's like the th- teachers are aliens. Right. You know, it, it's, and that's a really hard thing to say in a small town when you are a neighbor with that teacher. Like you can go in and just say we're a lot of times we talk on the morning show and there's the, the big media. Mm hmm. But then people don't realize that a lot of times they're talking about you and me, and they have a very they have a personal relationship with you and me, and they're like, "Well, I don't mean you guys." And it's like, "Well, when you say media, we are part of that, unless you say specifically you're talking Fox, CNN, MSNBC, whatever." So there might be people in a lot of the small towns, and I know they do. They say the public schools X Y Z this that. It's like, all right, that's cool. We share a garden across the alleyway together, and you don't have a problem with that. Like, you don't have a problem with any of the conversations we have. So in small towns, you still get some of it, but because you know everybody, and I know there are small towns in in the Lincoln area, too, that have a lot of the same thing. There are people that are going to have their politics, but then they kind of mesh a little bit when you go, we're neighbors. I don't believe that Mr. Hubert would actually do that with my kids right would actually teach them something that i don't approve of right yeah it's it's i i think so much when we talk about schools and sort of this 
this kind of implication there's sort of this alien influence mm-hmm. from a bureaucracy, the teachers, whomever. And and I think of schools like like you went to and mm-hmm. and and frankly, I mean, my daughter, you know, I, my my kids go to school in Lincoln, and I know, I mean, outside of school, I know several of their teachers. I think a big part community. of that, a big part of that, is regardless of the size of school, it's teacher or it's uh, it's parents being involved, because the more that parents are involved with their kids, with what their kids are doing, the more they're going to know the people involved in their kid's life. They're going to know the teachers. So, in a small school in a small town, it's much easier to do that. Because a lot of people work at the school, or they work at the grocery store, or they work at the lumberyard. They all work somewhere in town, and they all show up at the football game on Friday. Right. They show up at the basketball game on Tuesday, the volleyball game, whatever. The parents that are involved are showing up at the activities for the kids, and they're knowing the teachers and the coaches. It's much easier at a small school. and At a bigger school, you can still have that, but I, I think there's a disconnect in parent involvement and as soon as parents are less involved it's the same thing with anything the less that you are directly involved with something the less you know those people right. the easier it is to feel alienated that's by them make them point. an enemy that's a great point you know my mom my mom was like 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 you uh with your parents my mom was a a public school teacher mm-hmm. and <laughs> and it's like it's like trying to think of it, 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 the the things I hear from the outside about public schools match so very little with my yeah. actual experience of being the kid of a teacher, right? Right, or the kid of somebody who worked with public schools, mm-hmm. you know, when 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 she went through her career. So uh, yeah, so anyway, how how surprised would you have been if I came to your senior year at SIU Edwardsville and said in 2022 you're going to be working in radio? I don't think I'd be that surprised because I started out as a mass communications major and I wanted to go into radio and specifically do play by play. Um, and there, there was a pretty good school for that. But very first semester, I'm doing an assignment and we had some, some ideas that in some upperclassmen had told us that this teacher didn't like student athletes. This professor was not one for if you were a student athlete, she was just going to hand it to you. So we decided to run our own test with that, and me and a buddy turned in the exact same papers, like word for word, 100% plagiarism. He got a 94 or a 96, and I got a 78. Word for word, exact same. And I went, that's the professor I'm going to have to have for the majority of this major. I'm out. <laughs> Probably could have taken a different route and like gone and gone to compliance and been like, yo, I'm getting like stiffed for all of this, but instead I went and I changed majors because my backup was education. Mm-hmm. So I went into um, when I was studying history education. That was super fun, especially in that area because for anyone who's studied education at some point, like you're in a local school. Um, so I went and did. At one point, I never got to the student teaching part, but I went and taught junior achievement, um, so it's a lot of economic stuff, to a fourth grade class in East St. Louis. And for those that don't know, I am a very Caucasian male in East St. Louis where the demographic is nothing like I ever grew up with. Um, I was fortunate enough because I played sports that I got to see a lot of different demographics and interact with people differently than the predominantly white central Nebraska. Um, now I'm on a track team that is predominantly black, 
Um, especially if you started looking at the different events, the way things broke down demographically. Um, and then I am teaching students at a school where I am one of three white people in the entire school. And one of them is the teacher that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. You could not have told any of those students that I was any different because every one of them loved when I got there. That was the fun part. So the teacher, I had come a few sessions in a row and the teacher told me that this, uh, this student was paying attention anytime I showed up. Um, and he was looking up to me and sometimes that's just different having a male as opposed to a female at the head of the class, um, who someone might respect a little bit more than another just because of their own life experiences. And I said, all right, well, that's cool. I'm glad he, he's involved. And she said, no, you don't understand. He doesn't pay attention in any of his classes to any of his teachers, but he's paying attention to you. He watched his mom get stabbed the year before. So he was very scarred in his life experiences. But just by me showing up, being there in their class, talking with them, my parents were teachers, so it's like I was used to, I was able to tap into something to just teach, and I would play at recess with them. Well, I'm 6'3", I can dunk a basketball, that looks cool when it's a bunch of fourth graders, but, and I have the picture, it's, it's on my, my Facebook page, me with all of these students. And I'm always going to look back on that fondly, because that's, one, that's the most teaching experience I have now at this point, but... When I switched from MassCom to education, I did not think that was an experience I was going to have. And that's something that you don't think about. One, you talk about if you would have come and met me as a, a senior at SIUE and said I would have been in radio. If you would have met me as a, a senior at Loop City or a 15-year-old and said, you're going to go teach fourth graders at an, in an East St. Louis elementary. <laughs> and You wouldn't even the, know what and, that meant, and, probably. Yeah, and, and the demographics are going to be something that you can't imagine. But it's an experience that I got to have that not everyone in my town gets to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's some part of that that there's like this wishful escapism that people have sometimes about small towns. And obviously, I, I don't live in a small town anymore. I haven't been back there for a couple of years. But I loved every minute that I got to be there. And because I was there in a small town with my parents and having those experiences, that led to the experiences I got to have collegiately. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No it's, idea that I would have ended up in radio, let alone at that point back in Nebraska. I was fully prepared to just be outside of Nebraska so the rest you, of my life. So why are you still in radio? <laughs> um, like, there's just an itch about it that I love. So I started out just as a board operator in Central Nebraska, running high school games. Then um, I ran a, a sports talk show, and I was a uh, associate news director. Then I took over as a news director for five stations for a group there, um, and then I worked in Des Moines for a little bit. And now I'm here in Lincoln. But there's just something about it that I love: being able to communicate with people um, and know that you're part of their day. Especially what we do as like a morning show. That's not something even when I started in radio that I was like, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to do something like that. I just knew at the beginning of all of it, I wanted to do play by play for some high school sports and I got to do that. That was right. super fun. I, I called some, um, some state championship football games at Memorial Stadium, um, some state basketball games at Devaney and Pinnacle Bank Arena and some of the high schools. Like that was super fun. But it, the part that made it fun is that you were part of somebody's day. You you were someone that they could rely on to give them the information. Whether it's, if it's play by play, 
tell them how the game is going and not mess it up in a way that they're going to say, well, you mispronounced my kid's name. And I mispronounced a bunch of names. Um, but what we do now for the, the morning show and what I'm able to do as a sports director and assistant program director, you're part of someone's day. When they listen to your station, they are saying, I am coming to you because you are someone that I trust. And that that's a lot of responsibility, but it's also a lot of fun because it's, well, how can I be entertaining for you but also informative and tell you about my life so that you can feel that we have a personal connection. There's not every profession like that. There's a lot of places that you can go and you're very much by yourself and the you can be in your own world. And I know sometimes we get in our own world in the studio, but because of the text line that we have in social media and that fishing trip I went on, I'm able to see what that what that connection really looks like outside of those uh, those windows and walls that mm-hmm. we do the do the show from, and there's so much connectivity throughout our community. I think a lot of times we forget that, um, just people in general, how connected a community is, and radio is a way that we're able to do that in a in a very very well well thought out way. So there you go. That's a, a portion of the Jack Mitchell podcast from this last week. He'll obviously have a new one out this Thursday if you want to hear more on that. I really enjoyed the conversation. A lot of places we went um, when we recorded last week, but you can go get that uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and obviously KLIN.com and the free KLIN app. Um, that was that was fun to listen back to that and, and go through my answers in my own head while I was hearing them. Yeah, it was good. I I listened to I think the, the little over the first half of the show mm-hmm. last night and I I was intrigued to hear the dynamics of you growing up with your dad teaching you, coaching you, pretty much involved in probably about 90% of your total life growing up and yeah. still how that was such a healthy environment for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I look back at that. I, there, there are easy ways for that to not be healthy. Right, right. And as you as you explain that in the podcast and share that, it was really good. It was really fun. So, and I, the thing, I, the other thing I I love about what you shared in regards to teaching and schools and is just about relationship. I think we mm-hmm. we talked at the beginning of the po- at the of the show uh, about that, but getting to know other people and mm-hmm. knowing uh, the intent of we 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 usually when you look at people and you build a relationship out you want the best for the other person but if you don't know them and you haven't built a relationship it's easy to put up those walls of judgment and um, breaking those down like you talked about how you grew up and even the radio show here right and what we do is making those connections to build relationship and that's the key to life so I loved it. It was a great. It and we was got a great. fantastic community here in Lincoln. Absolutely. I love being part of it. So there you go. You can get that at the uh, podcast page, KLIN.com. We're going to wrap up LNK Today with Jack and Friends next. It's 855 on KLIN. Hours. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Wanted to just one more time thank everybody for all the messages last week and uh, as I continue to get them through the weekend and some some folks as well messaging today. Um, really enjoyed that. It, it makes me feel um, loved and part of this community in, in a way that I, I, I felt that, but... 
to see it just pop up again made it even more special. So uh, thank you for myself and and my my wife Megan and our whole family. Um, thank you as well to Henry Cordes for coming on talking Title Nine where Nebraska stands. You can get that uh, if you missed any of that conversation. You can find it at the podcast page klin dot com. Doug. It, Day one of five for hey, you getting up a little bit early. That's right. <laughs> nah, it'll be, Keep uh, coffee brewing. Yeah, there we go. We'll, we'll <laughs> definitely make sure that uh, Mark or Chris has got that coffee for us all week. Uh, tomorrow on the show, Joe Jordan, Jason Ball, and John Baylor. So full up there. If you're looking to request line Friday, it might be open. I might have a theme. I don't know. We'll decide that tomorrow. We will officially make that announcement tomorrow on whether or not it's going to be open or there's going to be a theme, but we will get that out there. Hey, it is 9 o'clock. I've really enjoyed this. Jack's gone all week. I'll be back again tomorrow. This is KLIN. <laughs>